I could see how I was when I was his age and how much fishing brought joy to me and I could see it through my son and for me that's that's the best thing a, a father could ever ask for. There's not much better than an epic father-son fishing story and we've got one for you right here on episode 52 brought to you by reelsandtackle.com. Welcome to the Telltale Fisherman Podcast, where avid anglers share the story of their best fishing day ever to inspire yours. Now it's time for another epic adventure. So here's your host, John Woodson. All right, welcome to the show. Today's guest is Quinn Hollingsworth, and he is coming to us from Georgia. Quinn, how you doing, man? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. And uh, I'd like to start off by just uh, having you tell everybody where you're from originally and then why it is you are in Georgia, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Quinn Hollingsworth, um, grew up in the Central Florida area, um, outside of Orlando, um, Winter Park, uh, Oviedo, Geneva, Seminole County, Orange County area of uh, Central Florida. Mm-hmm. And, uh, basically born and raised there. Um, went to school for a little bit, uh, college after I graduated high school. And, um, you know, I, I don't think I was, I was ready for college. I wanted to jump out of airplanes and shoot machine guns. So, um, <laughs> shortly thereafter, um, I decided to uh, join the army and, um, foolishly, uh, in retrospect, but you know, it was obviously worth it. I said, I want to do the hardest thing I can do. And so, uh, they said, Hey, we got this ranger contract. And I didn't even know what a ranger was um basically <laughs> when i was in my, my ait and i was just like well cool well, yeah hey you get to jump on airplanes and, and and do cool stuff i'll sign up for it had no idea what a what a ranger battalion was or what ranger school was wow um, but you know I, but i signed up for it and um you know i think not knowing probably helped me a little bit um in my journey because i was, everything was kind of, just kind of surprising and new to me <laughs> yeah, and, i um, bet <laughs> I, yeah yeah and, uh, you know somehow i, I made it through uh all my training and um you know i've been in first ranger battalion um out of savannah uh, since 2009 so uh you know a little over nine years that i've uh i've been here in savannah and it's it's you know absolutely been 100 percent you know the, one of the best things i ever did and it's allowed me to meet a lot of really great people and do a lot of really cool stuff so um yeah that's 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 pretty much my my little story for like, you know, the past 10 or so years. And, yeah. um, yeah, I think I'm going to just continue on keeping doing it. Well, awesome. And, uh, first of all, thank you so much for your service and, uh, for your sacrifice. I mean, t- it's, it's a sacrifice normally just to be in the military, uh, you know, for families in and of itself, but to do what you're doing. Wow. That's just a whole nother, uh, level. Um, can you just kind of give us a, I, I know, I know it's probably hard to do in just a, a minute or two. But can you just kind of explain to people how the Rangers are, are separate within the Army and that next level you really have to go through and train for to to get to that level? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I mean, um, you know, obviously you have, uh, I guess what you would refer to as you know the regular Army. There's nothing regular about them. I mean, anybody who decides to raise their right hand and put on a uniform is you know uh, definitely has a 
you know, my hats off to, to all of those. Um, mm-hmm. Those looking for like maybe a little bit more uh, challenging thing. Um, that's we have the seventy fifth range regiment, and um, basically you just go through a once you're done with your basic training, your AIT, um, your schooling. Uh, you go through what's called a ranger assessment selection program, um, and it's basically a eight week selection course, um, and that is to get you into the uh, ranger regiment. Um, upon successful completion of that, you know you're you're allowed to wear a tambourine, um, and, and you go to one of the three ranger battalions. Um, and basically, the uh, you know in a nutshell, uh, ranger battalion is a special operations light infantry fighting force, basically. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So I I would suspect you've seen some uh, pretty amazing things over uh, your ten years, or I guess nine years of being in the Rangers now. Yeah, I've seen some I've seen some pretty cool stuff. Got to do a lot of got a really a lot of really cool stuff as well. So yeah, awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for your service. And um, of course, now, no problem. Yeah. So. Well, let's uh, talk about your your other passion, which I know uh, I think up there and from growing up here in in my neck of the woods, you know, where I grew up, uh, has to do with uh, saltwater fishing. Um, I understand you yeah, you do inshore saltwater fishing up there. Tell us a little bit about you know the kind of fishing you like to do there. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the uh, inshore fishing for me uh, it all started in Central Florida. Um, on my mom's side of the family is out in Volusia County, um, towards, you know, like in the DeBerry, Deltona area, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, not too far from Edgewater. And, um, so I grew up, uh, my dad would take me fishing, um, same with my, my uncle and step granddad. Um, they'd all take me fishing in the Mosquito Lagoon area ever since I was a young kid. So how cool! I remember being six years old with a popping cork and a live shrimp catching speckled trout out in the Mosquito Lagoon. Yep. Um, so, you know, that kind of like built the foundation for me, um, as far as like my love for inshore fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I grew up doing that, you know, all the way up until I, I joined the army. And then, you know, I was fortunate enough to, you know, once I had passed all the, uh, military training, I did to be assigned to first range battalion, which is in Savannah, Georgia. And, you know, we're pretty much right on the coastline and, um, you know, minus the, you know, mangrove trees and the snook, uh, the fishing's, you know, pretty much the same up here. Oh, and I forgot to mention, we have an eight foot tide swing, uh, which oh, took wow. me a long time used to. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, other than that though, you know, there's, it's, it's a great red fishery up here, great trout, um, fishing. And, um, I, I spend most of my time either fishing in Savannah or just hopping right across the river on 95 and going and fishing, uh, South Carolina side. Um, oh. another great 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 red fishery up there and um yeah you know that's that's pretty much what i what i target um is specifically just really i can't can't get enough of the redfish yeah no doubt and w- when you say it took you a while to get used to the tides um i i personally can understand that uh, but maybe a lot of our listeners won't necessarily uh, can you contrast the the Mesquite Lagoon where you grew up fishing versus the way things are up there and, and why the disparity with tides, even though you're in saltwater in both. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, growing up, you know, Mesquite Lagoon, you're looking at, you know, maybe two foot, one and a half foot tide. Um, it's not, it's not a game changer, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't personally recall like paying attention to the tide yeah. so much. You know, I, I can remember, you know, getting to some of our creeks back there in Mosquito Lagoon and be like, oh, man, the tide's, tide's a lot lower than usual, but nothing 
nothing significant that would impact your fishing. Right. Um, and you come up here and you, you're dealing with anywhere from like a six to a nine foot on a big flood tide, like in the spring, like we have now a big flood tide. And, um, you could literally be fishing in a spot, you know, and I, I had a Carolina skiff, which I just recently sold. I'm looking for a new boat, but, um, mm. you know, fishing in my skiff up here, if you didn't, if you're not paying attention to the tides and you're up in a Creek and you have an eight foot tide swing, I mean, you literally could be left high and dry and you're waiting another <laughs> uh, six, seven hours before the tide comes back and you're stranded back in some Creek. And so, you know, it took a lot of, uh, paying attention, um, talking to, you know, a lot of the locals here, um, they, they really, kind of, you know, I was always asking questions, um, just because, you know, it was different. It, it was similar in the fact that I was targeting the same species, but it was different in the fact that, you know, I was fishing in, in a different way. So, you know, fishing oyster rakes, fishing, you know, not fishing mangroves. <clears throat> um, and then again, dealing with the, the big tide swings. Right. And, and you said growing up, you fished uh, the Mosquito Lagoon with popping cork and shrimp, which is kind of the same thing I did. We just did it on the uh, other coast. We'd go over to Crystal River and uh, Homosassa and that right. area and kind of fish those flats. But the same way, I think that was more the style, um, you know, back back when we were growing up. But um, do, do you still fish that way or do you now fish more lures and things? How, how, how do you target them up there? Well, I mean, even, so even in the scale again, so like my, my fishing kind of like, it kind of evolved as I got older. Um, mm-hmm. whereas like now if I come back home and we're going to fish in the lagoon, like we're usually getting pretty skinny back up in a Creek and I'm using, you know, a 3000 series spinning reel with, yep. you know, 10, 15 pound braid, 30 pound fluorocarbon leader. And I'm just throwing a tiny split shot, a circle hook and either a live mullet or a, you know, a shrimp and I'm tossing it under the mangroves. Okay. You know, you're pulling out either snook, redfish, etc. Um, here, uh, just be- due to the tides, when the water's moving extremely fast here. Um, so one thing uh, I learned up here that I had not previously used in Florida was slip corks. Um, mm. I just, I, I know they're down there. I've never really been exposed to them, but uh, basically, you know, if you're going to fish like some structure up here and you got a fast moving tide, and, you know, hey, I think the trout or the redfish might be a little bit deeper. You're using, you know, like an adjustable slip cork. Yeah. Um, so, that, you know, if, if I'm targeting the trout, I'm mainly using that. Um, for for redfish, uh, as of recently, I've been using a lot of artificials. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like a three-inch white gulp shrimp on a jig head. Okay. Um, just basic, basically just kind of, you know, working it real slow, especially with the cold weather we had, the, the cold snaps we had. I know you guys yeah. Had, pretty pretty significant cold snap down there and it yeah. affected us up here as well so just were a little bit more lethargic um up here but you know it, it really you know it, it differs from day to day on like what what type of tactic i'm going to use to go after reds um you know it's just it's all on the tide you know, the, the weather etc yeah, I guess I had heard, you mentioned South Carolina there, and I guess I had heard from some people that had fished with guides up there that I talked to that, you know, with you, with that moving water you get and, it, and with the marsh where it's a little muddy, I guess, that the water's more turbid. And um, so a lot of times they really like to use the shrimp and other things that the fish can find a little easier than uh, artificial. So it, it sounded like there was a lot more preference towards live bait than um than artificials up there i was just wondering if that was your experience or not yeah absolutely so uh one of the first things i did get when i got up here is i, I hired a guide and i just said hey look you know i i don't know 
I, I just I want you to show me how to fish. Don't take me to your honey holes. I need to know how to fish in the low country. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, you know, um, where in Florida I probably use like, you know, I could throw an artificial or something. They were throwing like, you know, either a you know big live shrimp, throwing it towards like a grass line on a spartini grass, or actually the guide was ripping off the heads of the shrimp and throwing it on a popping cork and throwing it into the actual like spartina grass and so kind of asked him like, why are you doing that and he was like well hey you know obviously redfish are you know more of, they're actually like a bottom feeder in a sense um so they're attracted to the scent you know so um that's that's a tactic i've seen used up here yeah um, guys will get shrimp guys will get big shrimp and they'll just like leave them outside for like a day or two and just let them get as sticky as they can <laughs> and then just throw it out, you know, and that's kind of how they, they target them up here. That's one, one way they target them up here. Yeah. That's not the happy wife plan when uh, she comes home and no. smells that shrimp that's been stinking. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. My garage freezer has, has smelled a few times. I've, yeah. I've I've got an earful a couple times for it. Yeah. yeah okay, good. I'm not the only one then. Cause I, you know, I'll go, come home and i've cast netted something and you know you invariably leave one in the bottom of the cast net or something and next you know two days later the garage is getting pretty ripe and yeah you get an earful about that for sure (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah oh man well when we get back quinn is going to share with us an epic redfish story so hang in there and we'll be right back An anchor stick for kayaks and small boats is a great asset to have on board when you want to stop and fish an area, or when you want to get out and wade. When the wind is honking, a great anchor pole that can keep you planted is a must. Check out the one we like at tell.fish slash gear in your web browser. Okay, we are back with Quinn Hollingsworth, and we've been talking about uh, redfishing uh, up there in uh, his waters in the Savannah area and also a little bit in South Carolina. And it's been really cool uh, talking with him because he's also a Florida native who's fished the uh, Mosquito Lagoon down here. So he's got a really good perspective on all these different uh, areas where you redfish. So I understand your most epic day of fishing uh, is a redfish story. So um, we got lots of places to choose from, but, you know, which one were you fishing in and uh, what happened? Yeah, so, you know, it's actually, I'd, I'd say my most epic day was, was really just a couple weeks ago. Um, we were, uh, you know, me and I got a buddy, he's, he's in the Marines. He's actually a drill instructor up at Paris Island. And uh, Paris mm. Island's up in Beaufort. And it's probably... 50, 45 to 50 minutes north of here uh, in Savannah. Okay. So short drive, uh, you know, me and him had been fishing some creeks around Buford. And, uh, you know, we kind of, we'd found a creek that you couldn't get to by boat. Um, but when it bottomed out at low tide, there was oyster lakes to the left, oyster lakes to the right. And um, we were pulling some, you know, pretty good, pretty good redfish out of there. Um, so, you know, uh, my best fishing buddy is definitely my son. He's eight. Um, and, you know, he's been fishing with me probably now since he was four, but he's at the age now, uh, where he can, you know, he can kind of handle, handle his own. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it's been, it, you know, that's, uh, that's why I love to take fishing with me. So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of went, you know, a little bit of low expectation, like, Hey, you know, I think we'll probably pull a few reds out of here. Um, if not, whatever. Hey, it's better than sitting in the house. We're, we're mm-hmm. fishing, so uh, down the water is better than any day sitting inside. Absolutely. So uh, you know, uh, to get to this spot, though, you, you really got to have your mud boots on. I mean, you're really trekking through um, quite a bit of mud. So 
Uh, if anybody's been to the low country, you know, we, we got just terrible muck all through the marshes. <laughs> but yeah. the juice is, is, uh, is worth the squeeze, you know, with yeah. this creek. So, uh, you know, I, I told my son Evan, I'm like, hey, man, get your mud boots on. We're going to be trekking through here. Um, so I'm carrying all my gear and tackle, and he's got his one fishing pole in his hand. And, uh, you know, we're, we're trekking through the mud. And uh, we get down to the spot, and uh, me and my buddy had just on a whim. I had uh, on the way to the spot. There's tons of fiddler crabs everywhere, and mm, so yeah, you know, I, I don't. I'd never really fished with fiddlers, uh, except for you know catching sheep's head. Right. Well, you know, we were, we started started picking up some fiddler crabs, throwing them in a bucket, and um, you know, we get down to the spot, and. Uh, I put some fiddlers on the, on a jig head of all things. I know it sounds crazy, but, uh, put two fiddlers on a jig head, threw it out for my son and we're in this creek. And, you know, less than one minute later, his, his drag starts screaming. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, what, what seemed like, uh, one after another, uh, basically my son ended up catching 17 redfish. Whoa. Um, all within a lot. Yeah. 17. Um, and, uh, you know, it was all catch and release, um, just due to the harsh, harsh freeze we had recently. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, but yeah, my, my son just one after another was catching redfish after redfish after redfish. And, um, you know, it, it was so busy. I didn't even get to fish much, but <laughs> you know, my, my best buds, my best buds catching fish and, you know, I'm helping him get fish off the hook or, you know, chasing fiddler crabs around the bank, you know, trying to throw more on the hook for him. And, um, yeah, he uh, he ended up catching seventeen uh, slot redfish. Um, wow. I ended up, I think, catching like six or seven. And my buddy, he caught like another five or six. So, uh, you know, it was twenty twenty six, twenty seven redfish all within like about an hour and a half. We fished. Um, so, you know, it was definitely pretty special, and uh, it was just great to see you know my son Evan kind of out there handling it on his own and kind of just blossoming into this, uh, little angler that he's becoming. And, you know, he just, he was just absolutely ate up with it. And you could just see, you know, like <laughs> I could see how I was when I was his age and how much, you know, fishing, you know, brought, brought joy to me. And I could see it, you know, through my son. And, you know, I just, for me, that's pretty much, you know, just, uh, that's that's the best thing a, a father father could ever ask for and you know especially doing something i love and sharing it with my son and so for me that was my absolutely most epic day of fishing oh man i i can totally relate to that i've had i, I don't think i've had a 17 redfish day with uh with my sons maybe maybe one or two that was close but uh you know i guarantee that's a day that neither you nor he will ever forget that's a special time yeah, yeah, and uh, and thanks to technology, you know, uh, if if anybody does happen to stumble upon my Instagram page, I actually put a video up of of one of the seventeen fish. Uh, <laughs> cool. You can see him uh, reeling it in off that little muddy bank we were in. Uh, but yeah, he he loved it. Yeah, well, actually, we're going to have a link to your Instagram page on our show notes when we release your episode. So hopefully that'll uh, make it easier for everybody to find that. Um, man, how cool is that? So is this, um, this Creek you're up in, was it, it it wasn't isolated, was it? I mean, it hadn't got to where, you know, there was a negative tide and they were all trapped up in there. You just kind of caught them at the right time when they were back up in there. Well, no, that's the funny thing is actually they were, they were isolated. They were. Okay. uh, Okay. 
Yeah. And so, but, but we didn't know like they were going to be isolated. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't know for sure. I mean, you know, I'd seen it on a low tide. I think that day we had a negative, almost negative one foot tide oh, um, wow. okay. that day. And so, you know, basically when that low tide, when it hit dead low, it was bottomed out. And basically that Creek, you know, to the far left is just a huge mound of oyster eggs. And then to the right is a huge mound of oyster eggs. And then literally right in front of you, you're probably looking at, even at dead low, maybe like a six to seven foot hole. Um, yeah. And so these, these redfish were just stacked up in there. And I mean, anywhere from 17 inches to, uh, you know, my buddy caught a 30, probably 30, 31 inch redfish. And, um, you know, I can My only goodness. I can only guess just based upon redfish, you know, habits is dolphins can't get to them, predators mm-hmm. can't get to them, yep. and so they're basically in there, you know, hiding out during that low tide. And so, uh, you know, it's just it's just a lucky place that um, you know we fish, and uh, just that day just happened to the stars aligned. And so, uh, yeah, that's 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 pretty much what happened. Yeah, and it sounds like they've got all the fiddler crabs they can eat back there. They do. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's funny because since that day, um, that's all we've been throwing now is fiddler crabs. And really? You huh? me, you know, two months ago, hey, you know, throw a couple fiddlers on a jig head and you'll catch redfish out and laugh at you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, that's, you know, it, it makes sense though, because juvenile redfish from, you know, maybe one to two to three years old, I, I, don't quote me, but I think like 60 to 70% of their diet is almost fiddler crabs. And, oh, um, yeah. Especially, especially up here, you know, on our big flood tides, uh, the redfish, you know, get up in the grass and they're, they're eating fiddler crabs. Um, and so, you know, basically that's been our go-to bait. Um, we went, let's, yeah, we went last uh, Saturday and all we threw was fiddlers and we caught black drum, redfish, couple sheep head um by some structure um, yeah. But yeah like we've we've absolutely been killing them on fiddlers lately yeah and so you said you just put them on like a swim jig head not a circle hook or anything no so we just had like you know just a small little jig head um and we were i you know again it was just a, a swim just threw it out there and uh you know happened to get some and we've found that these like black with uh gold flake jig heads with a little little eye on each side it seems to attract them more than anything hmm. um we've thrown we've thrown circle hooks out there with fiddlers now and it just seems it's like black uh with gold flake uh jig head seems to attract them at least up here uh so you know that's what that's what we've been uh, throwing at them yeah and in this pond you, you said it was well it was not really pond the creek but the hole that they were in was um several feet deep right so you you couldn't necessarily yeah. see the fish. You were just, you know, getting hits and then, and then reeling them in. You would feel them on the line. Yeah, correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Um, so, you know, tail and redfish up here, uh, we do have, there is flats, um, flats in Savannah, there's flats up in Beaufort, um, all the way up to Charleston. Um, but not necessarily like in the sense that you would think down like in the mosquito lagoon. Um, right. So on the flood tide, you'll see, you can see redfish tailing up here. And they'll be in the grass, up in the Spartina grass. Um, but this particular creek that we fish, you can't see them um, unless you know the tide's moving real fast and it's not dead low. We can kind of the water's clear. Mm-hmm. You can see them like schooling through and moving through the creek. But other than that, no, you, we really couldn't see them. We we're just kind of tossing it into this hole. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Wow. How neat is that? So just uh, 
kind of tried something different on a whim and uh next thing you know you've got a double dozen of uh redfish there yeah yeah we uh we lucked out it was uh it was, it was pretty incredible and um yeah you know you're, you're always learning something when you're fishing that's all i can tell you right Right. Well, and, and like you were saying, especially where you've got a big moving tide, because that really adds a lot more complication, you know, about how you have to approach things and where you need to be when, you know, on those different phases Absolutely. of the tide. Well, that is spectacular, you know, that you got to spend that time with your son. And like I say, um, some of my earliest memories uh from fishing go back to when i was five years old so you know i can pretty well guarantee he will never forget that day um what an awesome awesome day you were able to share with him yeah yeah it was it was definitely special yep well cool so uh what's what's the how are you going to top that one where you know he's going to expect uh you know to catch uh, 20 or 30 (laughs) next time Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's funny you say that because this weekend he he was already uh we we tried a different spot you know near the creek but we tried a different spot and you know we'd only pulled up like a you know a couple couple black drum a couple small reds and uh, he was like Dad I want to go fish the creek you know and I'm like, oh man <laughs> hey, he wants the Instagram I think I set the bar too high for myself yeah first, you know yeah no kidding no kidding you're supposed to work them up to that you know. <laughs> <laughs> not not yeah. give him the uh the full monte on the first uh, go round there but uh yeah exactly but that's but that's what it's all about now now you've got another uh high bar to uh chase and and try and break so uh uh that's right i'm i'm sure you guys will will get after it and get that done before you know it so yeah man that's awesome well Quinn, what a cool story, man. That brings back such good memories, you know, for me personally, um, you know, fishing with my own boys as, as they're growing up and still get to fish with them son, even though they're now a little older, but, uh, um, just, just awesome. And, uh, really glad you came on and shared that with us today. Thank you so much. I know. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. And I, uh, yeah, really enjoy the podcast and, uh, yeah, I'm just stoked. I could share my uh, good time with you guys. Do you know someone who would be a great guest on the Telltale Fisherman? If so, go to tell.fish slash guest and recommend them for the show. We'll give them the chance to share the story of their lifetime. Visit tell.fish slash guest. This has been the Telltale Fisherman Podcast. Thanks for sharing another great tale with us. Be sure to check out the show notes page for more info on today's show and the gear we talked about. Keep those lines tight and we'll catch you next time right here on the Telltale Fisherman Podcast.